Well, good morning, neighbors. It's fun to be here with you this morning. Uh, it's a different perspective from where I usually sit. I, when we changed, I don't know how many of you have been here at Woodland, but prior to us doing some reconfiguring of how we sit and what the stage looks like. But my neighborhood was right over here, and then I had to find a new neighborhood. Did anybody have to find it? So this is my neighborhood over here now, and I like to think of how we gather, because we're such a large community, I like to think of how we gather as each one of these areas as being a neighborhood. Here's a neighborhood, here's a neighborhood, neighborhood, neighborhood. And so I want you to turn right now to somebody that you don't know and say, howdy, neighbor. Howdy, We came to Woodland Hills three years ago uh, looking for a place to um, find some respite. We'd been through some difficult time in our life, and it was uh, time for some re-navigating. And we came thinking that we would just be here for a few months amongst friends, some great teaching, and um, receive some healing from the Lord. And move on to a different congregation. We come to you away from the west side of the city, and it quickly became home. But one of the things that I realized, when, I first, when we first started coming to Woodland, we were strangers in this place, and I started coming by myself, and um, it was kind of lonely to be a single person coming to such a large congregation where it was so easy to walk in and to slip out and to not really be noticed. And as I have gotten to know the Woodland community and how warm and friendly you are, I just want to remind you that sometimes there are people who come with hurting hearts and they come alone and that we are the kind of community that we want to be attentive to everyone who does walk into our community and let them know, greet them with the love and the presence of Jesus Christ and let them know that you are welcome, we care about you, and you are loved in this space. Because we are working on a sermon series right now on the Holy Spirit. And that is the kind of life and the kind of love, the kind of light that comes through us because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now last week, Seth was talking about the Holy Spirit pouring out of us, like Jesus talks about in John chapter seven. It's the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's at a ceremonious time where they take these huge basins of water and they, pick, they take them from the pool and carry them up to the altar and they pour them through a giant sieve looks like a giant colander over the altar so that there's all these streams of water that are flowing over the altar. And it's at this time, theologians believe, that Jesus stood up on the eighth day and said to the people, all of you, all of you who are thirsty, come to me. And out of you, just like you're seeing here on the altar, these streams of water, out of you, will flow streams of living water. All of you who are thirsty, you don't just get a drink. You get to be living water. You get to drink living water. It gets to pour out of you. Come to me. And the series that we're doing right now is to not only talk about that living water, but to talk about the light that comes from that living water. 
Israel was familiar with the concept of light, the need for light. They had lived in darkness for many, many years. For over 500 years, they were walking in darkness. But prior to that, they had known a light, a supernatural light, unlike anything that we have ever experienced. You see, as slaves who were coming out of Egypt, they were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The empowering presence of the Lord, reminder that he was with them. And this pillar of cloud protected them during the day as it hovered over the people protected them from the heat, from the sun, from the elements of being in the wilderness. And by night, it was a pillar of fire that radiated heat down upon them as the wilderness became cold, as the temperatures plummeted at night. A reminder, a tangible, needed reminder that God was with them. But as they took over Canaan, they were continually being taken over, overrun, and now they were in exile. The northern kingdom had been carried away, and the southern kingdom had been carried away now a few years later into Babylon, and they had been in exile, and it was dark. And they were longing for that light of God to come upon their lives again. And Isaiah speaks into this darkness, into this exile. And he says this to them. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who lived in the land of darkness, on them the light has shined. Hallelujah, they were ecstatic. Yes, please, Lord, may it be. We need this light in our lives. Please, God, come again in the way that you had before. But their darkness continued. As they went from being in exile and back into Canaan, now they were overrun by the Greeks. And then they were overrun by the Romans. And so even when they were living in their very own land, they were still not their very own people. They were still living in a darkness, this darkness that was keeping them in bondage. And they had not yet experienced what Isaiah had prophesied in chapter 9 of his letter. Until, until the light of the world came into that darkness, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Apostle John testified to when he wrote the Gospel of John, that John the Baptist spoke of when he was the voice crying out into the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The light that they had been waiting for had come. And John says this about that light. In him, being Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. When Jesus showed up on the scene, there was a light that came from the Lord God Almighty that exceeded anything that they had experienced, even in the cloud of fire and the cloud that hung over them during the day and protected them from the elements. This light 
was the presence, the empowering presence, the Emmanuel God with us. This empowering presence was the radiating love and glory and goodness and hope that they had longed for. And he gathered thousands, thousands came to him. They came to him because they were desperate to be touched by this loving presence. They came to him because they had needs. They came to him because they were lame, they were blind, they were lepers, they were sick. And he touched them all. He gave them life. He healed them. He even raised people from the dead. Those who were demon-oppressed, he lifted them from that bondage of darkness and oppression. And he gave them life. And the people who followed him were experiencing a person, flesh and blood, unlike anything that they had ever experienced before. God with us. He walked the earth for three years, and then one day he says to his disciples, I'm leaving, and it's good that I go away. I can only imagine when Jesus says this to them that they say, um, no it's not. This is a bad idea. We don't think you should do this, Lord. Why would you want to go away? You just got here. We need you here. Can't you see all of the amazing and miraculous things people are, you are doing? People are flocking to you. No, Lord, this is not a good idea that you would go away. But he says yes. Because you don't know what is about to come. The Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of everything that I have said. He will lead you. He will guide you. John recorded it in John chapter 14 through 16. And in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was flesh and blood, who walked upon the earth, one person influencing all of history in such miraculous ways, was now going to send his Holy Spirit so that rather than just having Jesus Christ with us, Jesus Christ would now be in us. This light that was in the world was now going to be the light that was in his people. Those who love him are committed to him. His disciples, those who follow him, are going to be filled with the empowering presence, the light, the life of Jesus Christ. And so in these passages, he teaches them what they need to know about this Holy Spirit who is to come, this mystery of which they could not imagine, this goodness that was so great that Jesus would even say, it's better than me being here and walking amongst you. And he says these things about the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 
He will speak a truth into your life that while at the moment it may not make any sense to you, you will come to recognize that there is actually absolute truth and there is, and we know less of it than we think. I had a seminary professor who used to say that. We know less of it than we think because the absolute truth is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And he loved in such a way that while those of us who are resistant to the concept of there being absolute truth, while those of us who want to be able to pick and choose our own truths and make truth a relative thing, Jesus, who was truth, who is the way and the truth and the life, Jesus, who is this truth, was such a beautiful, beautiful truth that he gathered thousands. People couldn't get enough of him. Everybody wanted to be around him. They were trying to touch him. Even the woman at the well, as recorded in John chapter four, this woman comes walking in the middle of the day. Do you know this story? She comes walking to the well, Jacob's well, in the middle of the day, and we can only surmise from that text that what they're trying to indicate in that, because women came to the well in the morning, in the cool of the day. They got their water not only when they needed it, before they started cooking breakfast. But they wanted to come because they're carrying these heavy basins on their shoulders or on their head. They wanted to come in the cool of the day because this was hard work, this was heavy lifting. And here comes this woman in the middle of the day, about noon, and Jesus is sitting there at the well, resting. His disciples had gone into town to get something. And he starts to speak to her, which in that day, given who he was, was taboo. He not only wasn't supposed to speak to a woman, but he wasn't supposed to speak especially to a Samaritan woman. He was a Jew and he was a rabbi. But he starts up a conversation. She's surprised. He starts up a conversation and she wonders if he might want something from her. Other men had. And through the course of the conversation, Jesus reveals to her that he has water that is greater than the water that she can even gather from Jacob's well. That he has water that will be a living water so that she would never need to come to a well again. And she is so drawn to the love, to the kindness, to the gentleness of this rabbi that she engages him in conversation. And over the course of this conversation, Jesus tells her all of the things that she had ever done. She's ecstatic. How do those two go together? You just told me all the things that I have ever done and I like it. Think about that for a moment. When's the last time anybody ever told you all of the things that you have ever done and it felt good? She was so excited that this social outcast, this person who the village certainly knew what she had done, she'd had five husbands and she was living with somebody right now who was not her husband, she goes running back into the village and she says, come with me, come with me, come and meet the man who just told me everything that I have ever done. And they did. They were excited about it. They came running out to Jacob's well to meet this man. Could it be the Messiah? The man who had told her everything that she had ever done had engaged her 
with such love, with such kindness, with such gentleness, that it did not feel like a condemnation. It did not feel like a judgment. It felt like a hope. It felt like life. It felt like streams of living water that were rushing over her. That is what truth, real truth, does. When we engage the truth of Jesus Christ, it does not feel condemning. The enemy condemns. The Lord does not. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into all of that truth. The Holy Spirit guides us into all of that truth. It's a mystery. We may not get to the point where we can fully imagine all that God knows, all that is available to us, all of the power and love that is part of this relationship with him, but the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us on that journey. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of everything that Jesus ever said. So the things that were recorded in the scriptures, the Spirit can speak to and testify in our hearts. That's why some of you can quote things out of scriptures but can't quite exactly remember the address. The Holy Spirit will prompt those. And the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus Christ, confirming his lordship in our lives. He goes on to say that the Holy Spirit reveals sin and righteousness and judgment. And I have to say, when I read that passage, I wasn't real thrilled about it until I read on. And I'm going to do that right now. It's John chapter 16, verses eight to 11. And I'm just going to look at a couple of them quick. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world is condemned. Sin, righteousness, judgment, this is a good thing. He convicts us of sin because we do not believe in him. He's saying that's wrong. I am God. I'm not only the Lord God Almighty, but I am your savior. I am your redeemer. I am the one who walks with you. I am the one who loves you regardless of who you are or what you have done, whatever your history looks like. I am the one. I am the one who has come to earth to be with you. You don't need to find a way to get to me, which other world religions tell us we have to do. You have to sit up straight, mind your P's and Q's, do everything in such a way so that you can ascend, ascend into the heavens to be where God is, so that you can find nirvana. God comes to us. And when we are choosing to live a life other than the fullness, the goodness of who God is, he brings us back of righteousness because Jesus is in right relationship with the Father and with the Spirit and we are invited into 
that beautiful dance, that beautiful unity of eternal love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have together. We are invited as we are filled in with his spirit of being in that relationship with him. And about judgment, because the enemy has been judged. Notice it's not you. We judge ourselves a lot. We judge one another, don't we? But the Lord does not judge us. Does anybody want to get excited about that? The Lord judges the enemy who is trying to condemn us, who is trying to put us in his camp where we would be miserable and living in darkness. And the Lord says to us, I have a better way. My spirit will lead you and guide you. Walk in the light as I am in the light. And all of a sudden, that passage feels like life to me. The spirit speaks only what he hears the father saying and the son. His words are trustworthy. He is not trying to get the glory for himself. He's not trying to say, I've got cool things to say. You better listen up to me. He speaks what he hears the Father saying, and he speaks it right into our hearts. Do you ever hear a beautiful thought in your mind that you quickly dismiss because you are so used to living in a self-condemning way that that's a word that you do not want to receive? He speaks goodness, kindness, hope, love, truth. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. He's not out to glorify himself. He's in it for the whole Trinity. He wants you to see and experience who the Messiah, the Redeemer of the world is, the one who restores, the one who reconciles. His name is Jesus. He shines in the darkness and he exposes the darkness for what it is. So that when evil, our enemy, our adversary is attacking you, the Holy Spirit can illuminate that this is a scheme this is a trick. You are being duped. Do not follow that voice. Do not listen to that word. Listen to the power of the Holy Spirit that is speaking whispers, whispers of truth in your life that is so beautiful that at times it's hard to even imagine it could be true. Do not resist the words of the Spirit. And he speaks words of renewal and rebirth. Does anybody ever want to wipe the board clean and start over? This is what the Spirit does in our lives. He gives us a do-over. In fact, His mercies are new every morning. You woke up this morning, you got a do-over. You woke up this morning, new life is waiting for you. He speaks renewal a new birth. It doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been the way that you are, how many times you have messed it up again. He speaks renewal and rebirth. 
For 13 years, I battled with an addiction. And it was hard for me to imagine that I was ever going to escape it. Oh, I would get up every morning and I would say, today's the day, today is going to be a new day, today I'm not going to be that person. I would get up every morning with hope in my heart. And usually by noon, I had failed. And it wasn't until one day I realized, as I was preparing to binge again, that I did not actually physically want this. And I said out loud to God, show me what I'm hungry for, because it's not this. And it became a, a mantra in my life, show me what I'm hungry for, because it's not this. Show me what I'm hungry for, because it's not this. And over the course of a few years, he kept re reminding me of what I was really hungry for and leading me toward that. And that addiction broke in Jesus' name. And renewal and rebirth were mine. And it's yours. And you not only get to claim that, but you get to remind one another of it. You get to walk in it. My husband and I have been going through a difficult time in our lives. And on um, September 9th of 2015, I was bringing a message to our seminary students at the Master's Institute where I minister. And I was speaking to them on invitation and challenge. That whenever there's a challenge in our life, there's always an invitation from the Lord to trust Him, to follow Him, to look for new ways, to navigate in this scenario in ways that perhaps I would never be able to conceive of my own. Whenever there's an invitation from the Lord, it'll always be met with challenge whether it's a challenge that comes from the enemy, whether it's a challenge that comes from change, changing the way we operate or changing the way that we think, whether it's a challenge that comes because we now have to learn new things, whether it's a challenge because relationships are changing. We live a life of invitation and challenge. And so I gave them an exercise at the end of my message. I handed out a little three by five card and I said to them, I invite you to take just one thing, just choose one thing in your life, and stop and think for yourselves, where is the invitation or the challenge in this? Do this for yourselves. Write down just that one thing and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, where are you with me in this? I sat down while they were doing this exercise, decided I would do it myself, pulled out a little three by five card, and as I pulled this out, in my mind, I saw something I was not expecting whatsoever, it's not something I conjured up myself because I hadn't even thought about it yet. In my mind, I saw in great big neon lights, all in caps like it was on a marquee at a theater, it said, change. And I went, oh. Well, change can mean a lot of things. Wrote that down. The next thing I saw on the marquee was things will not be as they were, slash are, much longer. Discombobulating change. Keep your eyes on me. 
I wrote it down. I did what I would suggest all of you do when you sense that the Lord might be showing something to you, revealing something to you. Maybe you get words or pictures in your mind. Maybe it's a feeling in your gut. Maybe it's a thought that's going through your head. That you write it down and you take it to a trusted friend. And say to this trusted friend, can you help me pray about this? This is something that I was sensing from the Lord. I believe this is the Holy Spirit, but I'm not perfect. I need someone to help me test this word. Dangerous things happen when we think we've heard from the Holy Spirit and we want to keep it to ourselves. The kinds of things where somebody takes a semi-automatic shotgun into a mall and says, God told me to do it. Take it to a trusted friend. Help you discern it. And so we prayed over this. And about an hour later, I went down into my room at the retreat center and there was a text from my husband on my cell phone that said, if you get this before 10 p.m., call me. And so I did. And discombobulating change had begun. Something had happened at his work, a career of over 30 years, that was discombobulating. It was gonna change the trajectory of his career. And we thought, oh, this is it. Thank you, Lord, for the warning. But then two months later, we had a relational break in our family system unlike anything that we had ever experienced before. It's been hard, excruciating, confusing, lots of misunderstanding. It's been really difficult. And we thought, oh, discombobulating change. And then a few months later, a family member was diagnosed with a degenerative brain disease. And we went, oh, when is this going to end? It's only been four months. And we've had three major things happen in our lives, and all of them very different one from the other. And then two months later, I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm in treatment right now, discombobulating change. But what did the Lord say? What did he say? Keep your eyes on me. That is the hope when we walk through darkness. That is the hope, that is the life, that is the light, that is the truth when we go through difficult times. I don't have to tell you, this is a hard world. Difficult things happen in this place. Because we walk in the light doesn't mean we're walking in a rose garden. It doesn't mean that we're on a path of, laid with tulips. This is not an easy life to live. Difficult things happen. They happen in our personal lives. They happen in our finances. They happen in our relationships. They happen in our health. They happen in our world. Are we grieved over the things that are going on in our world right now? Right here in our own city of Minneapolis, as we've got shootings, racial discrimination and profiling, judgments and hatreds, children who are killed in the crossfire of flying bullets. As people are living lonely in their homes, struggling with depression, unable to come out of the darkness, and here you are, neighbor, 
the light that might be just right next door or walking by. It's not a cheerful message until we realize that there is hope. And the hope is who Jesus sent through his Holy Spirit who is available for us today. And so I want to leave you with this. We're going to go through a little exercise. I invite you to engage. Of course, it's not something that you need to. But I want you to think, and perhaps you already have been as I've been sharing, of one thing in your life, one scenario, situation, one issue, just one, that you would like the Lord to influence. And I want you, right here, right now, maybe closing your eyes will be helpful, to think of that one thing and to say to the Lord, Lord, show me your light in this difficulty. Where are you in the midst of this darkness? See, the Lord speaks to us in our imaginations. Keep thinking about it while I'm sharing. It might be a thought that runs through your mind. If it's good, if it's life-giving, if it brings hope. Even if it means that you might have to change something that perhaps is a challenge to you. If it's good, it's God. If it's judgmental, if it's condemning, it's the enemy. Don't listen. You might have a thought, you might have a feeling, you might have a word flash into your mind and see it like on a movie screen. There might be a picture. Lord, what are you saying? Where are you in the midst of this circumstance? And as you sit with the Lord in that, ask him to continue to reveal his light in this scenario. <coughs> Lord, how are you moving in this so that I can walk on this path of light with you? Because even in the hard times, the dark times in my life, you are always good. And you are doing a good work, even though it may be hard for me to see or to understand right now. And then if I may, I have uh, one more thing I'd like to encourage or challenge, invite you to. And that is to take whatever this was, uniquely yours, that the Lord is revealing or speaking into your heart. And take it to a trusted friend to help you discern. You see, we live in community, neighbors. We discern in community. We come together before the Lord to worship and to seek him in community. And so take it to somebody that you trust, somebody who loves the Lord 
and say, help me understand what the Lord is doing and saying right here, right now. And be blessed by what he does. You see, we are reminded in 1 John, a small letter that was written by the same disciple who wrote the Gospel of John. We are reminded by the Apostle John that if we walk in the light as he, being Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. So be encouraged, walk in the light, walk in community, walk in the love, walk in the truth. It is available for all of us. And I'm gonna pray a blessing over you now as we close, that this will be your experience this week. Perhaps it's an experience that you have yet to have ever had, but Holy Spirit, come, manifest your presence, your light in these situations of our lives, that we would see you, that we would experience you, that we would know that you are God, that Jesus sits upon the throne as we sang earlier today, that we are your children and that you love us. Holy Spirit, that you guide us through the messes and the difficulties of our lives. May we trust you as we hear from you this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For those of you, for those of you that may have had something come to your thoughts that is difficult that you would like further prayer on, there will be prayer ministers up to the front for you. And we invite you to come with your needs, with your requests in community. God bless you this week.